Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. We're a community-driven church based in Charlotte, North Carolina, and invite you to join us on Sunday mornings at 9 or 11 a.m. For more information, visit our website, eastside.co. For those of you that don't know, we just got back from Bethel Church in Redding, California, and I just want you to know that... uh, The presence of Jesus is just as strong right here in this place as it is in there, without a doubt, without question. That's a weak clap. Thank you so much. It's uh, it's amazing. It's amazing. We, uh, We had a great time. We were blessed beyond measure. Uh... The Lord just made provision for us in so many different ways. And I just want to say it one time, so I'm going to just talk to the whole crew uh, about the trip a little bit so I don't have to continually repeat myself over and over and over and over again. Uh, The biggest takeaway from the trip was what I just said. The presence of God is as strong here as it was there. And that's no exaggeration. That is right on. And so... We all came away incredibly excited about what the Lord was doing in our midst. Biggest takeaway. Uh, but as we went and we were able to go, we wanted to go for, for, you know, for quite some time, and we really never have been able to do any type of, of uh, you know, training here because just you know, uh, of the uh, transition and where, we, where we've been as a church and and so uh, we'd just been checking and checking and checking, and we just got this incredible deal on flights one time. We, they were $300 round trip to go to Reading and back, and the Lord provided that. And that was so good that Michael and I both said, well, heck, we can pay for our wives to go if, if we can get that right. So we were able to pay for our wives to go with us, and that's always a blessing. And so... Uh, uh, we 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 were you know planning to take off, and I don't know if y'all remember this or not, but Liz's brother-in-law was about to die, and we didn't know. I'd already paid for Liz, and so I didn't know whether Liz was going to be able to go. So I mentioned it to Tiffany and uh, and Brock. You know, if if Liz can't go, can one of you be, you know, take her spot? I've already paid for a ticket, and so that got their juices flowing to to be able to go with us and. Um, and so what it ended up happening, of course, Evan went to be with the Lord, and, and, and Liz was able to go, and that was great. But Brock and Tiffany were already at a point of no return. <laughs> and so what the Lord did, it was amazing. Brock's been serving here for, you know, before me. And so it was a pleasure to be able to, to, to take him. But Tiffany, uh, Tiffany's mom had frequent flyer miles, and she used frequent flyer uh, points to be able to fly out there. We had to sit Anna up in a room all by herself anyway. And so Tiffany just stayed, didn't, you know, just, it was just basically, it was free for Tiffany to go based on fre- frequent flyer miles. It was an, that was an incredible deal. We stayed in a hostel. You ever, everybody know what a hostel is? It's at the end of camping trails. We, we, were, we got there at three in the morning, you know, and we were, we were saying, well, you know, we didn't go to San Francisco. We're not flying into San Francisco to sleep. And so I, I booked this hostel. Well, Liz thinks something's rough if you don't have chocolate mint on your pillow when you get in there. <laughs> and so, and so, 
<laughs> and so we all slept in the same room with bunk beds, you know, and that was a, you know, that was, I was, I kind of, I, I was just grinning with my tongue in my cheek, you know, it was, it was kind of great, but, you know, it, it was, ba- <laughs> it's where all the kids stay that are traveling around the world that didn't cost any money, you know, we stayed, just spent a few hours there, and it was great, but we were able to go a little bit early, and uh, Liz and I didn't do vacation last year, and so what we did was we decided to take that money that, that we normally use for vacation and take three of our four, five of our children, yeah, five of our children out to California. <laughs> and we had the opportunity to stay in this incredible place. It was off-season. You could see over the Pacific Ocean. You could see the whales running. They were, they were uh, moving up the coast, going back to Alaska. It was absolutely beautiful. Probably the best day there. Brock Nevitt played the guitar for three or four hours in worship and never sat down on the back deck, just worshiping the Lord, praying, pursuing God. Incredible time with Jesus that day. And of course, then we went to the, the conference. And what was neat about the conference is Michael and Bethany had a free place to stay. God does provide pretty awesome stuff that we are able to do and how God provided for us in so many ways. I knew the, one of the worship pastors, and one of the, the, really the main reason we went is, you know, we do a lot of their music, and we do a lot of Jesus culture stuff, and, and they come out of that place. And, and, and I knew the, I know the worship pastor who pastors everything, not Brian Johnson, but Paul McClure, who, who pastors all the worship department, is a friend, is the son-in-law of a friend of mine that I've known for 20-plus years. And so we were able to sit down with him and just talk about the dynamics, how they do everything, how they, do, uh, how they schedule, how they pastor, how they discipline, how they decide when somebody's going to sing on Sunday morning, how they develop people, what are the requirements. We got, did all that. That was fantastic. And then we went to the conference, and it was a prophetic conference, and every fruit and nut in California showed up. <laughs> and there's a lot of them in about, six, in about 69 other conf, uh, countries. And uh, it was slightly interesting, to say the least. And so all the stuff you see on the Internet probably comes out of conferences because I just, you know, one of the things that I just want to talk to you about is the drastic difference between the conference and the church. And we couldn't quite figure this out. We struggled with this to some degree. But um, the church and the conference were like two different places. The church was, and the people on stage, they were very much, uh, had this goal in mind. But, but the conference was, well, every fruit and nut in California showed up to the conference. <laughs> <laughs> and so it was... It was interesting. That's all I'm going to say about that. But that's where you see all the video that comes from when they host stuff like that, and then you see all that mess, and you go, holy cow, that's interesting. But anyway, um, I've seen it before. It's kind of moving me into my message. I've seen it before, and it's almost as if, you know, you got to have craziness for revival to take place to some degree. You know, it, I went to Vineyard back in the 90s in Brownsville, 
back in the you know right I guess that was uh, in the two you know early two thousands and then Toronto was in there as well in the nineties the Toronto revival and you know I went to all those I went to Brownsville I went to Vineyard I went to Toronto and, and went to the revivals there and and was able to I, I just want to you know man if I hear God's moving I, I want to show up I, I want to see it and so very similar stuff. You know, very similar stuff. And um, one of the things that uh, that manifested itself was laughter. And they call it ho- holy laughter. And uh, it was somewhat disruptive. But um, at the same time, when you're in a place like that, you don't want to, you don't want to squash the spirit. And one of the things that Bill said that made, made a lot of sense to me was he says, you know, sometimes sometimes it's just somebody looking for attention. Sometimes it's just uh, it's the Lord actually moving on somebody, and sometimes it's just a, de- a demon. And he said, sometimes I just can't tell the difference in the two, so I just let them all, or the three, and I just let them go. And that was kind of his posture. That's not my posture, by the way. We will deal with different things in this place. But <laughs> that gave me explanation. And so as I, I just started studying that, now I'm getting into the message. That was all free. As I started studying that, I wanted to discover what God really meant by the joy of the Lord. Because as you were talking about and as we were singing, God is good. God is always good. He doesn't have the capability of being bad. What you got to understand about the character and the holiness of God is he doesn't have the ability to be bad. He is good. He's good all the time. And in his name, as Brandon brought the word last week, there, there come attributes, and in his name is a characteristic, and one of those characteristics is joy. And uh, the joy of the Lord is our strength, it says. In, in, in Galatians chapter 5, joy is listed as one of the fruits of the Spirit. When I say fruits, that is actually a singular word. It means that it is what comes with the Spirit of God, and that would be joy. Now, with, with the Spirit, you get it all. Now, here's what I want you to understand about this, and I say it every time I say it, but I really want you to get it. <clears throat> In Galatians 5, when it talks about the, the fruit of the Spirit, which includes joy, the Holy Spirit has 100% of all of those. It's a singular word, and it says this. When you get the Holy Spirit, you get all this stuff. You get joy. You get patience. You get kindness. You get goodness. You get all seven of the fruit because the Holy Spirit has it all. You don't need to pray for patience. What you need to pray for is that you'd quit walking in the flesh and start walking in the Spirit so that the Spirit could bring patience in a supernatural way in your life. It's a major difference in the two. And so part of this this debate that you have in your mind when you see something that doesn't look quite right is you go, but I know that joy is the fruit of the Spirit. uh, You know, I think it's 
Interesting that Brandon was praying when hardship comes. And so when I start thinking about joy, I've got really, I've got two contrasts. The first one is in 2 Samuel chapter 6, David is going to get the Ark of the Covenant, which represents the presence of the Lord. And where the presence of the Lord, we know that there is great joy. In the presence of the Lord, there's, there's joy forevermore. And so it brings joy, right? Well, listen to this contrast. David leaves his, his city after he has discovered where the ark is. He takes 30,000 sh- soldiers with him along with witnesses. In other words, the whole nation of Israel basically leaves, and he also has 30,000 soldiers with him that are under his command. He goes and gets the ark, and there's this, there's this worship that goes on. It says every kind of instrument was being played. All these things were happening, and David, it says, is dancing and whirling and leaping and doing it in his, in his underwear, basically, his, his, his undergarment. But what I, I get this picture of David leaping and dancing. And when you know that in the Jewish culture, that they are much more expressive about their love for God and and all those kind of things, but you've got to understand that there's there's joy, and so so there's that. And secondly, there's this: count it all joy, brothers. James chapter one. When you fall into various trials, count it all what? Joy. joy. I can understand the presence of God and being filled with joy. Trials, joy. For the testing of your faith produces patience. So that when it's done its perfect work, when it's done everything, you'll be complete. You'll be like Jesus, lacking nothing. So count it joy when you're going into those things. Now let me ask you a question. When you think about joy and you think about the presence of the Lord, do you think about happiness? I just need to be happy. Or do you think about what Jesus or what God brings me makes me happy? There's a difference in the two. Sometimes when we think about joy, we think about, well, I just need to get a better attitude. I don't think that's what the Bible's talking about. I think the Bible's talking about there's joy that comes when you, when you come into the presence of God. There's this, there's this thing that happens to you in the midst of whatever you're going through that brings you happiness. If you'll read the Beatitudes in Matthew chapter 5, it says, happy is the person. Happy is the person. You know, it's got a whole list of this makes you happy. And it all has to do with once you're in this situation and the presence of God comes in it, then you're going to be happy. And so let me ask you this morning, are you going to let whatever's going on in your life rob you of your joy? The only way it can is if you have a wrong perception of who your God is and a wrong perception of who you are in him. The only way that you can't be filled with joy in the midst of triumph 
or trials is that you have a misconception of who your God is and who you are in him. When we um, experience life, and we know that especially in this day and time, the life's, life is pretty difficult sometimes. But you can still be filled with joy. Because it goes to James, counting all joy when you fall into various trials. Trials are going to come. Tribulation is going to come. So how do you be joyful? Here it is. This is what I think and what we're going to go over here in just a second. This is, the, this is what it magnifies. <laughs> Have you ever seen a little kid, two little kids, they say, you know, little boys especially? My daddy, my daddy's a big, my daddy played football. My daddy did this. My daddy can do this. My daddy can do this. You ever seen that? How many ever done that? <laughs> How many still do it? <laughs> you, you need to. That's the whole point of the message. How do you maintain joy in the midst of tough situations? You maintain joy in the midst of tough situations by saying, do you know who my daddy is? Who's your daddy? <laughs> Jesus is your daddy. Abba is your daddy. Do you know who my daddy is? I can't wait to see what my daddy does. So how do you count it all joy? Because you have this anticipation and expectation of what Jesus is going to do in the midst of your circumstances. It can be as bad as it gets, and you can say, you can have this, this giddiness, this, this dance, and say, in the presence of the Lord, watch this. Watch this mountain move. Watch it be laid low. Watch what my God does. And you can maintain this atmosphere and this attitude of joy. If you constantly make your problems bigger than your God, you're not going to be able to maintain joy. Do I need to say that one more time? If you, if you always, on a continuous, habitual nature, make your problems bigger than your God, you're not going to be able to maintain joy. God is good. He's good. So good. He's good. And he wants to bring good to you. He wants you to have abundance. He didn't want you to lack And the fruit of him being in your life is joy. Some of you need to tell your face. <laughs> right? Huh? I'll tell you right now, brother. Sister, <laughs> what do people at work say about you? How in the world can they be so joyful in the midst of what they're going through? Do they say that? Do they say, man, this person really has a great attitude no matter what's going on in their life? Do they say that? Do they say this person is full of joy? All the time. They're just filled with joy. It's a challenge, is it not? But here's the truth. 
you got all the joy you need. If you're a born-again believer, you've got 100% of all the joy available to you that's in heaven. It's yours. But what do you have to do to, to, to get it? You have to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. You have to move in the Spirit and not in the flesh. So I need to go through my five points, don't I? I hadn't even started. All right, number one, we experience passion in God's presence. How many would say that you, you feel great and you're full of joy when we're singing, good, good, so good? When I, I see you, I see David dancing. That's the way David danced, the way you were dancing up here just a little bit ago. Yeah, we got two clappers. That's the way he danced. But, but, but when, we, when we're in the presence of God, there's this passion for joy. We, and we say to ourselves even, boy, I wish I could stay right here all the time, but I got to go out and face the real world. It doesn't have to change because what brings that exuberant joy and that passion is the presence of God. And you, you've got the presence of God. He will never leave you or forsake you. It's always there, and you've got to begin to expect that and be passionate toward it. Look at what Psalm 1611 says. Well, you don't have it. I don't think I have notes. You will show me, listen, you will show me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. Say that with me. In your presence is fullness of joy. Out at your right hand, there are pleasures forevermore. That's David right now. He also writes in Psalm 51, Don't cast me away from your presence, God. Don't take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation. And uphold me by your generous spirit. Romans chapter 14, Paul writes, For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Believers shouldn't look like the world. We shouldn't look like the world. We should be in a good mood. God is in a good mood. So if you wake up in a bad mood and you're grumpy, maybe, just maybe, you can initiate a little worship and bring the presence of the Lord in. Have you, and I counsel this all the time, and I've had people get really mad at me for counseling this. But have you ever tried to be depressed and sing? It's hard to do. It's hard to be in a bad mood if you're singing. I was just singing in tongues right there, Brock. We were giving Brock a hard time. Have you heard this boy whistle? That guy's got a spiritual gift of whistling. And we say that he's whistling in tongues. That's what we say he's doing. Just do that with me. Come on. You just got happier, didn't you? I mean, it's hard to be depressed and discouraged and in a bad mood whistling, singing. So if you ever get that, the answer to your question isn't to stick your head in the sand and act like something's not going on or to be in denial. Denial's not your answer. It's a passion for the presence of God because you know that that's where your hope is because in the presence of God is fullness of joy. 
He says in Isaiah 61 that he will make an exchange with you. He'll take that spirit of heaviness and give you joy. I want to make an exchange. So there needs to be a passion for the presence of God. And in his presence comes this passion for joy. When he does come and when he's around, the result ought to be a person who's joyful. Look at some scripture, Isaiah 61, I just gave it away. Verse 3 says, the, to console those who mourn in Zion. This is why Jesus came, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they may be called trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, so that God may be glorified. When Jesus comes, joy is the result of him coming. In verse 7, it says, if I can get this out, verse 7, it says, instead of your shame, you shall have double honor. And instead of confusion, they shall rejoice in their portion. Therefore, in their land, they shall possess double. Everlasting joy shall be theirs. Who's he talking to? Believers. Luke chapter 2, verse 10. <laughs> this is so good right here. The angel, when Jesus is born, came and said to the shepherds, Don't be afraid, for I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. In the presence of Jesus, there should be joy. This is my favorite. Luke chapter 1, verse 44. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, says Elizabeth, the babe in my womb leaped for joy. Yes. Yes. That's good. How many of you would say sometimes you feel weak? You don't have to raise your hands, but you can. I like. Okay, raise your hand. I got it. You feel weak. You feel like you can't handle stuff. You feel like you need strength. You need encouragement. You need those things. This is, this is what should happen in the presence of the Lord. And what joy does, it brings us strength. It says, the joy of the Lord is our strength. In Nehemiah chapter 8, verse 10, the people were facing a horrific issue, and it looked just absolutely unovercomable. You ever face situations that looked like you, you weren't going to be able to handle it? They was just too big for you? They, they look like that, and this is what is written. Nehemiah said, go your way, eat the fat, drink the dr uh, sweet, and send portions to those from whom nothing is prepared. For this is the holy day of the Lord. Do not sorrow. For the joy of the Lord is your strength. When they were encouraged, when they were discouraged, there was an, an act of faith, an understanding that God was for them, that God was with them. And so you have to kind of sometimes move yourself into a place where you're not discouraged. You have to move yourself out of this place that says, this is just too big for me. Well, how do you do it? God says, throw a party. Have a great meal. Begin to, begin to do, have a worship set at your house. 
when it looks too big, bring in the presence. Because the joy of the Lord will strengthen you. It's actually a fuel source for you. If you get to the place where you feel discouraged and tired and just worn out, that you can't go any further, worship. Because the Bible tells us that it's the joy of the Lord that will renew your strength. It will, it will bring you to a place where you can move forward and go, man, I need that sometimes. But it's not this decision and this attitude that you make that I just need to be happier. I've got a bad attitude. Those things can be true, but it's about moving into the presence of God and knowing that where Jesus is, that there's joy. And that when there's joy, then there's strengthening of your soul. In Luke chapter 10, It says about Jesus, in that hour, Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. Jesus rejoiced in the Spirit. In Acts chapter 13, and the disciples were filled with joy and the Holy Spirit. You know, I think there's a coalition. Correlation, thank you very much. It was there somewhere. There's a I'm having trouble talking today. There's a correlation, thank you very much, between the idea of drunkenness and being filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a, there's a reference in Scripture that says, don't be drunk with wine, but instead be filled with the Holy Spirit. There's a joy that comes that, that shouldn't be there. There's somewhat of a giddiness. That word, actually, if you'll look it up in Wester, it, look, it says giddy. You know, it, it, has, it has this idea of being excited. Wow, I can't wait. You ever had something that was coming up that you just couldn't wait to do? Oh, I can't wait. Y'all ever done that? Or am I the only one? That happens? Oh, I can't wait for that to happen. There's this anticipation, there's this joy, there's this giddiness. Well, that's what, it, what happens when the, when the Lord came. In Acts chapter 2, they said, are these people drunk? The answer is no. What happened? They were just baptized in the Holy Spirit. So obviously, they were happy. They were filled with joy, the joy of God's salvation. And so as we uh, see that, that we are strengthened by joy, we know that that comes by being filled with the Holy Spirit. In Ephesians chapter 5, verse 18, it said, Don't be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. In John chapter 17, it says, But now I come to you, and these things I speak in the world, that, that they may have, Jesus is praying, they may have my joy Fulfilled in them. There's a joy that comes with Jesus, and it is come, it comes through the filling of the Holy Spirit. And the thing about joy that to me is so exciting is it's contagious. So is negativity. So is complaining and griping. Started at the water cooler. <laughs> And it happens. Wonder if you just don't participate. 
wonder if you just pursue the presence of God and you're filled with joy and you refuse to maintain a negative bent on your circumstances. Wonder if you, what would happen if you would just begin to say, I can't wait to see what daddy does. Wonder if you had this giddiness, no matter what your circumstance, that said, wait till my father gets a hold of that. Wait till daddy sh shows up. If, if all hell's breaking loose in your life, you can count it all joy. How? Because daddy's coming, and when daddy comes this morning, it's going to be turned into laughter. This time, it's not going to be wasted. I'm going to be more like him, and I'm going to begin to see the glory of God. And you can be joy-filled in that. And that's what believers are supposed to look like. This is challenging. I want to be in a happy church. I want to be in a giddy place. I want to be around a group of people who the, the trials and the tribulations of this world cannot steal their joy because they're so confident in who their God is and who they are in their God. And the evidence of that being true is joy. We're going to work on that, aren't we? I'm going to work on that. The joy of the Lord is my strength. Amen? I stand for closing prayer. Once again, thank you for listening to the Eastside Church Podcast. If you have any questions or need more information, please visit our website, eastsidechurch.co.